let God transform your life as you listen to this inspiring sermon by Rev. Richard C. Whitcomb. It was a beautiful evening on July 17, 1981 at the luxurious Hyatt Regency Hotel in Kansas City, USA. Over 1,600 people were gathered in the atrium lobby of the hotel for a tea dance. Music was playing, couples were dancing, and the party was going great. But suddenly and without warning, disaster struck. At 7.05 p.m., a pedestrian bridge four floors above the lobby floor suddenly made a popping sound. The walkway dropped slightly and then collapsed onto the lobby floor. In an instant, the tea dance turned to terror. Twisted steel and broken concrete fell on the dancers, killing some instantly and burying others alive. When the dust settled, 114 people were dead and 219 were injured. It was the worst structural disaster in American history. In the aftermath of the Hyatt Hotel disaster, an investigation was launched to discover the cause of the collapse and what the engineers discovered was shocking. When the hotel was built, the construction company deviated from the original design of the engineers. The builders didn't build according to plan. The deviation from the original design caused too much pressure to be placed on the walkway. The pressure led to the connections that held the walkway in place to fail. And when the connections failed, the bridge collapsed. There's a powerful lesson for all of us in the tragic but true story of the Hyatt Hotel disaster. Just as the physical structure collapsed when the builders deviated from the design, so also our lives fall apart when we fail to follow God's design for our lives. When we ignore the plan of our Creator, it leads to too much pressure, and that pressure breaks our connection to God. And when our connection to God breaks our lives collapse. For the truth is, you weren't designed to handle pressure in your own strength. You were designed to have a connection with your maker. You were designed to connect to Jesus so that he would carry the load in your life. And when properly connected to Jesus, you can have peace under pressure. But when the connection is missing, the pressure makes things fall apart. The good news for all of us tonight is that you can fix the fault and repair the connection. You can restore your life to its original design, and when you do, you will enjoy peace at all times. You will have peace in all circumstances. You will have peace in your possession. That's the promise in our teaching tonight, but before we find out how to have that type of peace in your possession... Let's take a moment and pray. Almighty and everlasting Father, we come before you tonight in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, and we ask you to give us peace in our possession. We submit to you now. We bind every voice of the enemy that would come to deceive or disturb or distract us, and in the name of the Lord Jesus, I loose the power of the Holy Spirit, the power to speak life and peace and help and grace to every heart listening, the power to change our lives so that we can have peace in our possession. We thank you by faith in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. I want to invite you to take a moment and join your faith with mine right now. Wherever you are, just put your hand on your chest and say after me, Lord Jesus, speak to my heart. Change my life. Manifest your glory in me. In Jesus' name, 
Amen and amen. See, I'm convinced that no matter what you're facing right now in life, God has the answer for you. You may be under so much pressure, you feel like a pancake all smashed down flat. But the good news is Jesus has a solution so that you can enjoy peace under pressure. Even if things are falling apart, Jesus the one who holds all things together. Even if you seem to be facing trouble on all sides, Jesus is the one who surrounds you roundabout. If you believe it, say amen. That's why I'm teaching a series right now called Perfect Peace, so that we can learn how he experienced peace when things were difficult. For as we all know, the fact is no man has ever faced as much pressure as Jesus faced in his last week on earth. He was under attack from enemies. He was facing death on the cross. He carried the weight of the world on his shoulders. Yet Jesus never lost his temper. He never grew worried or afraid. He never let the pressure take away his peace. And when we follow his example, we can have peace under pressure. Now, to help us learn the truth for today, we prepared teaching notes to guide us. The notes are available for free download at our website. So I want to encourage you to go to either one of those sites, download the notes, pull them up, and follow along with me as we learn from the teaching of Jesus Christ. Our scripture text for tonight is actually coming from two different passages. The first from John 14, the second from John 16. And these two passages are both part of Jesus' teaching that he gave his disciples at the Last Supper. They form Christ's final teaching on peace. Now I'm going to read the first reading and then I'm going to ask you to join me and read the second reading out loud. Here I go, John 14, 27 to 29. Jesus said, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of heart and peace of mind. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. Remember what I told you. I'm going away, but I will come back to you again. If you really love me, you would be happy that I'm going to the Father who is greater than I am. Amen. Now let's all join together and read John 16, 33 out loud. Are you ready? Here we go. Three, two, one, go. Jesus said, I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. May the Lord bless the reading of his word to your hearts tonight in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. I love these powerful words from Jesus. They comfort us and reassure us and give us peace. But these words are even more amazing when you realize that Jesus spoke these words about peace during the Last Supper. In fact, he spoke these words of peace at the Last Supper right after Judas betrayed him. And here's Jesus about to go to the Garden of Gethsemane to pray before going to be arrested and led to the cross. He knows that suffering and death await him. In fact, the entire final week of Jesus' life on earth has been lived under pressure. He had the pressure of the people trying to get him to rise up and overthrow the Romans. He had the pressure of opposition from the government. He had pressure from the religious leaders who hated him and wanted to pull him down. He had the doubts of his own disciples and the demands of the multitude. There were so many demands on Jesus, yet he remained full of peace. He was never stressed. He's the perfect picture of perfect peace. And his final teaching on peace to his followers, he taught us the three principles so that we too can have perfect peace. So here's your first principle for peace today. You've got to take 
possession of peace. See, here's what Jesus said in John 14, 27. I'm leaving you with a gift. Everybody say a gift. A gift of peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift. Everybody say gift. It's a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. And right now in your life, you need to remember what Jesus taught. You need to take hold of that truth. When you get under pressure, you need to remember he's given you the gift of peace. But the fact is, when we're under pressure, we tend to forget things. That happened to me not so long ago. I had an important meeting that I was getting ready for. I was a little bit late, and I was under pressure, and I started to lose my peace. As I was packing to go to the meeting, I was hurrying around, and I started searching for my eyeglasses. I really needed the glasses because I would have to read some fine print at the meeting. I needed them desperately, but I couldn't find them. And the more I searched for them, the more frustrated I got. The time was going, and I started feeling really anxious. I just had a few minutes left. I started praying. I started running around. I started panicking. My heart was racing. My hands were shaking. I was sweating. I couldn't find my eyeglasses. Hey! Finally, I sat down in despair and shook my head. I just didn't know what to do. Should I cancel the meeting? But just then, as I hung my head in despair, I looked down and saw something on my chest. Guess what? It was my eyeglasses hanging on my shirt right where I had placed them. The fact is, when you get under pressure, you can tend to forget things. And that's why when we're under pressure, we sometimes forget that Jesus has given us the gift of peace. See, peace is a gift. Jesus gives it to us. Peace of mind and peace of heart. It's more than a promise. It's a fact. He said, I have given you this gift. It's not future tense. It's not a possibility. Maybe someday, somehow, you'll have it and maybe you won't. It's not something that will be yours tomorrow. It's ours right now. And this is just one of the many times in the Bible that God promises us peace. Listen to Isaiah 54.10. Though the mountains be shaken and the hills be removed, yet my unfailing love for you will not be shaken, nor my covenant of peace be removed, says the Lord who has compassion on you. So here's the truth you need to pack up and take home with you today. You don't have a peace problem, you have a possession problem. Peace is already yours, but there's something you've got to do. You've got to possess that gift. That's why Jesus said, don't be troubled or afraid. There's an action you have to take. Don't allow fear or worry or anxiety to overcome you. And Jesus said this because he knew that there would be a battle against our peace. He knew that there would be plenty of temptations coming to try to steal our peace. In fact, it's not unusual for any of us to struggle with pressure. You're not alone in your battle against worry. The world today is a scary place. Just think about the coronavirus. People are afraid. Just think of terrorism, bombs and shooting, airplane crashes, not to mention earthquakes, diseases, disaster. There's no peace in the world. People are more afraid now than ever in history. And it's not just in outward things, even in our personal lives. Divorce is an epidemic. Crime is on the rise. Anger is an everyday occurrence. That's why Jesus said, the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. The world can't give you peace of mind and heart. The world has no peace of its own. The only true peace comes from Jesus Christ. For the fact is, peace doesn't come from a big bank account or a solid relationship 
or a successful career. Peace doesn't come from the country you live in or the color of your skin. Peace doesn't come from the guard at the gate or the referees on your resume. Peace comes from Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace. That's why Jesus said in John 16, 33, I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. For the good news is the peace that Jesus gives defies circumstances. It overcomes situations. It's not bound by the value of the CD, the outcome of a court case, or whether or not there's a cure for coronavirus. The peace Jesus brings is not tied to your medical report, the lawyer's report, or the bank statement. It's a peace that passes understanding. That's the peace we must allow to rule in our hearts and minds, for you can find peace even in times of adversity, even in times of pressure, even in times of testing, when you have the Prince of Peace in your heart. That's the powerful truth we see in 2 Thessalonians 3.16. Listen carefully. Now may the Lord of Peace himself give you his peace at all times and in every situation. The Lord be with you all. And in that statement, we have such good news. It means that God can give you peace in every situation. But here's the truth you need to pack up and carry along with you today. The giving is God's part, but the taking is our part. You have to possess the peace of Christ. There's something you have to do. Jesus said, don't be troubled or afraid. Don't fear, don't worry, don't doubt, don't be anxious. Over and over in the Bible, we're commanded not to fear and not to worry. That's our part in possessing peace. Listen to what Jesus taught us in Matthew 6, 25. That is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about your clothing? God will certainly take care of you. Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? Don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. <laughs> this truth reminds me of the story of a certain woman. For many years, this woman could not sleep at night because she worried that a thief would come to her home. She would toss and turn in the bed all night. Every little sound, she would worry that it was an armed robber. Well, one night, her husband heard a noise in the compound after they'd gone to bed. So he went outside to investigate. And when he got there, her husband discovered a thief. But you know what the husband said to the thief? Hey, Mr. Thief, please come inside. I want you to meet my wife. She's been expecting you for 10 years. Hey! See, worry doesn't stop tomorrow's sorrow. It only robs today of strength. A human thief can steal from you once, but worry can steal from you night after night after night. It steals your sleep, steals your health, it steals your peace under pressure. But listen to this powerful promise tonight in Isaiah 26.3. You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. So here's the solution for you tonight. Set your mind on God. Set your mind on Jesus. Focus on him. Set your heart on the Lord, and you will find perfect peace. I know you may be listening to me tonight 
And you're thinking, well, you don't know how I feel. Right now, I don't feel peace. I feel stressed. I feel worried. I feel anxious. I feel afraid. And because you don't feel peaceful, you feel confused. But peace is not the absence of troubles. It's calm in the midst of trouble. Courage is not the absence of fear. It's the ability to rise above fear. And when you focus your mind on God, his peace will fill you. When Jesus says, I've given you peace, but your feelings say, I'm anxious, then receive what Jesus says and reject what your feelings say. When Jesus says, I am with you always, but your feelings say, I feel alone, then receive what Jesus says and reject what your feelings say. When Jesus says, I love you, I've chosen you, you're my special possession, but your feelings say, I feel worthless and unloved, then receive what Jesus says and reject what your feelings say. That's why Romans 8, 6 says, letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death, but letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. And you can take possession of peace when you set your mind on God and allow his thoughts to fill your heart and mind. Don't receive the fear or the panic or the worry or the anxiety of this life. Don't believe the lies. Jesus has given you peace. Just right now, put your hand on your chest and say, Lord, I receive your peace. I possess it today in Jesus' name. Amen. And that brings us to our second truth tonight. The way that you can have perfect peace in your heart is to trust the process. Now, if you have the teaching notes with you, just take your pen and fill in the blank with the word process. And listen to how Jesus teaches his disciples to trust the process that leads to peace. In John 14, 28, Jesus said, remember what I told you. I'm going away, but I will come back to you again. If you really loved me, you would be happy that I'm going to the Father who is greater than I am. So think about for a moment, what Jesus is really saying. His going away was due to his death on the cross. He was telling them plainly, I'm going to be crucified. I'm leaving you. He told them repeatedly he would suffer on the cross. They would be separated. They would be alone. The disciples would be isolated and persecuted. But then he goes on in John 16, 33 and says, here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I've overcome the world. And the truth is that doesn't sound like good news. That doesn't sound like something that would make us jump and shout and rejoice or bring us peace. But the fact is Jesus is explaining there is a process that we must pass through in order to get peace. There's a process God takes all of his children through that leads us to a good result. Jesus took the lead and showed us the way. His death led to resurrection. His sacrifice led to salvation. He knew that his suffering was part of the process that would bring joy. And when we look to him, we receive the peace to endure the process. That's why the Bible says in Hebrews 12, 2 and 3, let us keep looking to Jesus. He did not give up when he had to suffer shame and die on a cross. He knew of the joy that would be his later. Now he's sitting at the right side of God. Sinful men spoke words of hate against Christ, but he was willing to take such shame from sinners. Think of this so you will not get tired and give up. 
and understand what God is telling us tonight. We have to pass through a process to get somewhere. Jesus had to pass through death and suffering to get to the throne. And it's no accident that what you're passing through right now, because God wants to perfect you and bring about good in your life. Jesus suffered and died, yes. It appeared as if he'd been defeated, yes. But now we know that what looked like a loss was actually Again, what looked like defeat was actually victory. And God's message to you and I tonight through the death and resurrection of Jesus is that the natural must bow to the supernatural. The outward must bow to the inward. Don't focus on the circumstances or the appearance from a human perspective. Focus on the reality from God's perspective. Don't concentrate on the current circumstance of corona. Look at the outcome of the process you're passing through. Because the same process Jesus went through applies to you and me. When we pass through God's process, we receive God's outcome. That's why 2 Timothy 2, 11 and 12 says, If we die with him, we will also live with him. If we endure hardship, we will reign with him. And when you understand the process, you'll walk in peace. When you understand the process, you'll have the right perspective. You can endure with joy and you can be faithful without fear when you trust the process. Peace, perfect peace, comes when you trust the process. You know, the funny thing is there's a lot of processes in life that we trust. A farmer, for example, when he wants to get a harvest, he goes through the process of planting a seed, preparing the ground, and watering and fertilizing it because he trusts the process. Even when there's no thing in the world that indicates any good will come, even when the seed hasn't yet germinated, the farmer doesn't get discouraged. He trusts the process. Athletes trust the process. They train without any reward, knowing that if they do a good job training, they will receive their reward. Students study and endure exams in order to get a degree and get a job and build a better life. They trust the process. Even though the studies are hard and the examinations are difficult, they know that the process will lead them to a good result. A woman passes through the difficulty of labor to get to the delivery. She knows that it's part of the process to get to what she wants. And if you've traveled internationally on an airplane, you know that the process is very difficult, but we all endure it with the expectation that we will get to our destination. I mean, think about traveling. First, you pay good money to buy a piece of paper. That's all you get, a piece of paper with a flight number and a seat number. But you're not worried. You trust the process. Then you go to the airport and you go through security. You take off your shoes. You take off your belt. Off with your wallet. They search you up and down. Hey! They look in your purse, your bag, and every, it's not pleasant. But you endure it because you trust the process. You know that you're going to get somewhere better. And then finally, when they call you to board the flight, you get on the plane and they put you in a little tiny seat and there's some big fat woman next to you. Hey, you squeeze like this. Oh, you're on a plane. You don't know the pilot. You don't know the mechanic. You don't know who serviced the engine. But you trust your life to a piece of metal in the air because you trust the process that it will get you to your destination. The process may be grueling. The travel may be stressful, but you do it because you trust the process. You trust that a short, temporary disruption to your schedule 
will get you to a desired destination. So in life, we all trust the process. We realize there are times you have to give up something temporarily to gain something long-lasting. So why is it that we struggle to trust the process of developing our faith? For the fact is delay builds patience, tribulation builds trust, suffering builds faith, and when you go through temporary trials and tribulation, it produces something better. Stop worrying about what you're going through and trust the process. This is what James chapter 5, verses 7 and 8 teaches us. Dear brothers and sisters, be patient as you wait for the Lord's return. Consider the farmers who patiently wait for the rains in the fall and in the spring. They eagerly look for the valuable harvest to ripen. You too must be patient. Take courage, for the coming of the Lord is near. That's the lesson we can learn from the story of the Jesus story. Once upon a time, a certain woman named Martha was feeling very stressed. Her life was so busy and out of control, she was actually becoming ill from all the worry and the rushing. And to make matters worse, there was no peace anywhere in her life. The world seemed so full of evil and trouble and fear. When Martha watched the news on TV, it filled her mind with anxiety. Her home should have been a sanctuary for her, but it too was filled with quarreling and fighting and arguing. Her husband never had a kind word to say to her. Her children were ungrateful and complained about everything. Her mother was not speaking to her, and she'd stopped picking her sister's calls. Work. Ha, work was even worse, filled with bitterness and competition and jealousy. Even church was filled with gossip and pride and division. Everywhere Martha looked, there were problems in relationships and in her job, in her life. All she wanted was peace. Well, one day, in frustration, after another bad day at the office, only to come home to a quarrel with her kids, to be topped off with an angry phone call from her husband, she had enough. She went to the mall to get away, searching for some peace. When she got to the mall, she stumbled upon a new store she'd never seen before. So Martha decided to give it a try. And to her surprise, when Martha went in the store, she saw a man who looked just like Jesus. He had long hair and a beard and piercing eyes. He was gentle and kind, and he looked just like the picture of Jesus that you might see in a church or Bible. So Martha went up to him and said, excuse me, but I can't help notice that you, you look like Jesus. Are you by any chance Jesus? Why, yes, I am, Jesus replied. This is the Jesus store, and I'm here to serve you. Well, Martha was amazed. She had no idea that there was even such a thing as the Jesus store. And to think that Jesus himself was there to serve her made her heart pound with happiness. Then Jesus said to her, please, take a look around and see what I have to offer you. When you find something you want, bring it to the counter here, and I'll help you get it. Well, Martha was in a daze as she wandered up and down the aisles of the store. She saw so many things she wanted. There was peace at work and a peaceful, happy home and a peaceful relationship with her mother and her children. Why, everywhere she looked, there were things that Martha needed. She made her selections, and with great anticipation, she carried all of her selections up to the counter where Jesus was waiting. Here, Jesus, Martha said, I've made my selections. Can you please give these to me? Her whole basket was filled with things that would bring peace to every area of her life. 
Well, Jesus smiled and reached under the counter. I'd be glad to give these things to you, Martha, he said. And then Jesus brought out some packages and placed them on the counter. Martha looked excitedly at the packages Jesus offered, but then her excitement turned to confusion. For when she carefully examined the packages Jesus put on the counter, she realized they were simply packages of seeds. Jesus, I don't understand, Martha said. I wanted peace, but all you've given me is packages of seeds. What good are these seeds, and how in the world will they bring me peace in my relationships? Then Jesus looked at Martha, and his gaze pierced her soul. I've come to bring peace on earth, Jesus said, but you have to plant the seeds and tend to them. It's up to you to take what I've done and plant it in your heart. Water these seeds and nurture them, and when you do, you will reap a harvest of my peace in every area of your life. Stop arguing and start encouraging. Stop expecting others to serve you and get up and start serving them. Forgive, love, outside in the world. Stop criticizing others and insulting them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Smile at a stranger. Help a poor person. In your heart, complain less, pray more. Worry less, praise more. Sow these seeds. Water and nourish them, and you'll have peace. It's a process. But when you trust the process, you'll reap the benefits. That even in the midst of this dark time, God is working in your life to bring you to a better place. He's working to build your faith. He's working to perfect you. He's working to strengthen you. He's working to reward you. So don't be anxious. Be at peace. You can have peace under pressure when you trust the process. That's why 1 Peter 1, 6 and 7 says, So be truly glad. There's wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials for a little while. These trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold, though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. See, when you trust the process, you'll rise up and say, I may experience temporary pain, but when I endure, I will enjoy permanent gain. I may pass through challenges, but when I stand in faith, I will reap eternal rewards. When you trust the process and keep your eyes on the end result and you allow the process to take your course, it will give you triumph in your heart. And that's the third principle of producing peace, triumph in the Prince of Peace. Now, if you have the teaching notes, just take your pen and fill in the blank with the word triumph and listen again to what Jesus taught us in John 16, Jesus said, but take heart because I have overcome the world. We can have peace in our hearts because Jesus has overcome the world. He's the undefeated victor who rules over every power, over every force, over every situation, and over every virus. We can have peace in him because we have victory in him. See, Isaiah 9, 6 tells us that he's not just peace. He is the prince of peace. And Judges 6, 24 tells us that one of the names of God is Jehovah Shalom, the Lord 
our peace. Hebrews 13.20 says that God is the God of peace. And Ephesians 2.14 says Jesus is our peace. That's why you can have peace at any time in life, under any circumstance, when you've got God inside of you, you've got peace inside of you. You've got the Prince of Peace, the Jehovah Shalom, the God of Peace living in you. See, I've got peace in my possession. I've got something the world can't give. I've got something the world can't take away. I've got the presence of the Prince of Peace inside of me, and he gives me perfect peace that passes all understanding. So when you face a bad report from the doctor, you've still got God, and you've still got peace. And when you face a bill you cannot pay, you've still got God and you've still got peace. And when your husband tells you he's going to walk away, you've still got God and you've still got peace. And when the landlord tells you you cannot stay, you've still got God and you've got still peace. And when the boss tells you to go away, you've still got God and you've still got peace. For peace is a person. So stop looking for the perfect situation and start praising God that you have a perfect Savior. Somebody say amen. And if you'll come to him and unite with him, you'll have peace under pressure. You'll have peace in your possession. You'll walk in peace and live in peace and talk in peace and enjoy peace. You will triumph in peace. For the fact is this, God's peace is beyond your understanding. Philippians 4, 7 tells us, then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your heart and mind as you live in Christ Jesus. His peace exceeds our understanding, goes beyond human reasoning. It doesn't make sense to the natural mind or to the people around you when things are falling apart. You can have peace. It doesn't seem reasonable when people turn away from you or your kids go astray or the bills come due or the world's in turmoil, but God's peace is not dependent on circumstances. That's the lesson I learned from my son, Richard, when he was just a babe in arms. Way back in 1988, my wife and I were serving in ministry in Nigeria. Our little son was born to us. When he was less than a year old, we took him to a local hospital to get his vaccination. I was carrying him in my arms, and I still remember the scene. When I walked into the waiting room at the hospital, it was full of sick people. People were coughing and sneezing. Not only that, the room was dirty. It looked like it hadn't been cleaned in years. The place was noisy. There were crowds passing through, people talking loudly, babies screaming, and patients were arguing. The wait was long. The nurses were slow. I started feeling frustrated. I was tired of waiting. I was worried that the sick people in the waiting room might make my son sick. I was anxious about the conditions that my son was facing, and I could feel the anxiety and the fear rising up inside of me. I began to think negative thoughts. I thought my son might get sick. He might get hungry but not be able to eat. He might get tired and not be able to sleep. The whole atmosphere was disturbing me, and I became so tense. But as I was fretting, I happened to look down at Richard in my arms and discovered to my surprise he had fallen asleep. In the middle of the noisy, dirty, crowded room, he'd fallen asleep. With nurses shouting and patients arguing, with people coughing and sickness all around, he'd fallen asleep. I thought, how could he fall asleep in the midst of this turmoil? The Holy Spirit spoke to me and said this, why shouldn't your son fall asleep? After all, 
he's in his father's arms. In his father's arms, he's safe. In his father's arms, he's secure. In his father's arms, no harm can touch him. In his father's arms, he is at peace. And the reality to my son was not the dirt, the noise, the heat, and the time. The reality to him was he was in his father's arms. Peace operates on the same level in our lives. We find peace when we realize we're in our father's arms. For Deuteronomy 33, 27 says, the eternal God is your refuge and his everlasting arms are under you. Father, in the name of Jesus, I speak peace to everyone watching this broadcast. I pray tonight that they will see and feel and sense your arms underneath them. I pray that they'll be triumphant because they have you, the Prince of Peace. Help us to trust the process, that no matter what we're going through, we'll know that when we endure with faith, we'll come out on the other side with peace in our possession. Amen. God bless you for listening to this message. Reverend Richard C. Whitcomb is the senior pastor of Agape House New Testament Church in East Legon. If you are ever in Accra, we will like you to worship with us on Saturday night at 6 p.m. or on Sunday at 7.30 a.m., 9.30 a.m. and 11.30 a.m. You will have an awesome experience.